Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bear Dash. I am Shaylin. And I'm Jasper. And we are back with more bad news because Cal is now 0-3 after losing the 123rd edition of the big game in no other words but heartbreaking fashion. I mean, to lose on a missed slash blocked extra point with a... a game tie it should have been a game tying drive and to see that happen it's just it's sad and such a big rivalry against Stanford you know normally the fans would be going crazy thankfully there was no fans in the stadium for that game or else I don't who knows what would have happened but there was many reasons for the loss many reasons Cal is 0 and 3 so we're going to talk about that game talk about how the Bears have been throughout the season and then discuss whether next week they're actually this week against Oregon, whether we have any chance of winning that game. So we'll start off with what's always the biggest game of the year. Hence the name, the big game. What went wrong? Jasper Cal lost 23 to 24. Like I said, the blocked game tying extra point. Uh, let's break that down. I think you really need to start at the end of the game. You need to start with the special teams unit. And this is something we touched on after the Oregon State game. I don't think either of us imagined it would be consistently this bad. You don't see that a lot on a football field where your special teams unit consistently loses you football games. And yet here we are off two straight losses because of special teams. Uh, I'll throw some stats at you. Cal's given up, I think, 55 points in his last two games. 35 of those points have come when they give their opponents the ball in their in, in their own half. When the defense is defending less that has less than 50 yards between themselves and the end zone. And a, a huge part of that is special teams. I mean, you think about the big game, you think about Remigio's muff punt. Uh, it, it just handed Stanford a short field and that turned the entire game around. I mean, that was huge. You think about the block field goal at the end of the first half. I mean, if that goes in, the extra point is a moot point. It doesn't matter because you have the lead. And of course, if you get that extra point, you're tied. I mean, there's so many opportunities there on special teams to turn the game in the right direction. I mean, I don't even want us to turn the game in the right direction because those are taken for granted plays. I think it's to keep the game in the right direction. This is so, this would normally be, I think, such a random occurrence of errors. And it's not because it's been consistent that that's really got to be disturbing for Calvin's. It, it starts yeah, and with special teams, unit, their mistakes. It's special teams is, you know, it kind of sucks for them, but you, they only get talked about when they're playing badly and we have to talk about them because they're playing horribly across the board. I mean, every facet of special teams, uh, I'll definitely talk more about this in the midseason evaluation section we have coming up next, but they have to get clean stuff cleaned up everywhere. But yeah, you talk about the field position. I mean, Remigio's muffed punt and Dancy's fumble both ended up with Stanford touchdowns. So if either of those doesn't happen, it's a Cal win. If the blocked field goal, like you said, doesn't happen, it's a Cal win. And who knows what would have happened if the game went to overtime and the extra point is made. But in my opinion, the Bears were the better team for the ma- the vast majority of that afternoon. I mean, they outgained the Cardinal by almost 100 yards. Cal had 241 rushing yards on almost seven yards per carry. They they had the ball moving for the most part of the game. It was just the turnovers, like we said, and special teams that were the, the huge blunders. And 
just all across the board, Cal kind of outperformed Stanford. I mean, they only committed one penalty compared to Stanford's six. That penalty did end up being huge because it negated Scott's interception on Mills, which would have been a game changer. But the story of the night has to be special teams and turnovers. I mean, that's a 14-point swing at minimum when you talk about those turnovers. Yeah. It, there were problems on the offense. You talked about a big, big day for the run game, and that you can't doubt that. Uh, Marcel Dancy had an error, but both he and Damian Moore were very good. Moore had his first career game where he ran for over 100 yards. Uh, he's a freshman, and to do that in his third game at the third time of asking is phenomenal. I think a lot of fans will remember that big, I think 52, 54-yard run he had in the second half to set up Cal's uh, game-tying touchdown. And obviously, it, it didn't end up playing into the win, but you saw Christopher Brown Jr. get in at the end of the game. He scored as well. He had some really critical runs. Clearly, the run game performed. The passing game was also not really there. Uh, I just got out of an interview with Chase Garbers, and he mentioned – I. It, if you look at this game, there's a big difference. Cal had seven passing plays of over 15 yards against Oregon State. A majority of those were in the first half, and Cal was really successful on offense. I think we've seen that to be successful on offense, to, to have a shot at winning games and when they're playing the best, it's when Garbers is out there making a lot of really great throws and getting the ball downfield. Sanford came up and was ready for that. They didn't let anything get over the top. Uh, Garbers said they'd schemed up very well, and Cal really didn't have an answer. There was a lot of short balls. The Bears had just one play of over 15 yards. It was a 17-yard toss, 17 yard toss to Makai Polk at the end of the first half. And so the Bears needed to find some way to do that. They needed to find some way to do that, and they didn't. And I think it also cost them the game because, again, you can make a lot about that block extra point, but if you score more points, that that's not necessary. Like that, That's a moot point if you maybe avoid a couple of those punts get a couple more touchdowns, this is this is an entirely different story we're telling. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but Bill Musgrave's offense thrives on balance, right? When the run game's there, the pass game is also there, and vice versa. We didn't see that today, but there were some explosive, ga- explosive gains on the ground. You have to give them credit. All three running backs had at least one gain of 15-plus yard, yards, and actually four if you include Garbers. He had a couple long runs, especially on third down. That one sticks out a lot. I think it was third, third and 11, third and 10. And he just, he has deceptive speed. I mean, he can blow by defenders. And I think teams are finally starting to account for that. But you're right. The the passing game needed to be there. And it really wasn't. The short passing game did pretty well. I mean, Garbers threw two red zone touchdowns. But when you're talking about deep downfield stuff that we saw against Oregon State, that was missing and Stanford does have a pretty good secondary you have to give them credit they're they're up and coming they have some playmakers I mean to see their safety chase down Damian Moore on that 50 something yard run like I think both of us thought that was a touchdown like he was five ten yards ahead and they they caught I think it was Williamson caught up to him but you're right Moore was fantastic I think as a true freshman something that really stands out to me is his vision it seems like out of all three running backs He's probably the best at finding the hole and accelerating through it. I mean, Christopher Brown Jr. is still easily the best overall back when you consider his ability to break tackles, to uh, participate in the passing game. But Damian Moore is definitely a player that is going to get a ton of carries the rest of the season and could become Cal's feature back once CBJ is gone. And then on the defensive side, uh, 
Cal's secondary played overall pretty well. Mills only had 205 passing yards, which is well under his average. But they did make some big mistakes. We talked about Hicks's holding penalty that negated Scott's interception. And then Cam Bynum got beat man-to-man on an end zone fade, which you don't really see that from Cam Bynum often. I mean, I'm sure he's he's beating himself up over that one because he's the only reason he came back this year is to improve his NFL draft stock. And when you get beat one-on-one like that, it certainly doesn't help. But he overall, he overall had a pretty good game. I mean, he's been phenomenal as a cornerback in run defense this year, especially. But also, Chigozi Anusiam didn't have his best game. Just across the board, the secondary did well, but if you ask them, they did not play up to their own standards. Yeah, I'd agree with that. This is a team that expects to come into games and get interceptions, especially the secondary. It's it's part of their DNA. It's something they always look for, and it's not something they did against Stanford. They were close. Scott, in many ways, I think, should have had that interception. I wouldn't say the, the holding call on Hicks directly interfered in the play. Um, it, it wasn't like that caused the interception. That's unfortunate. Uh, you're right. Like that, that was a lone error, and it was a critical error. Another thing that I think may, may have cost Cal this game a little bit was Stanford has some big, really physical wideouts. Cal did a great job of limiting C.B. Fajoko. I credit Bynum with a lot of that. He, he was around him. He knew where he was. He knew that that was going to be the big target. And when Bynum puts his mind to it, it it's going to be difficult to get anyone the ball. But Connor Weddington and Michael Wilson both had very decent games, and it's because they were able to out-muscle Cal players and then get under them and get into open space. Chigozi Anusium, and I think both you and I talked about this during the game we were watching. He was not having a great game. He's one of the biggest guys in that secondary. I mean, Cal does not have the, the largest group of players in the cornerback position or even at safety, and Anusium is one of the larger ones. He needed to have a big day where he was going to be able to go pound for pound with those receivers, play physical, get in their faces, get in the lanes, and he, he wasn't able to do that, and it gave Stanford you know, just enough to be able to put together a couple drives. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, a lot of fans expected Cal to keep the axe. Just the way the trajectory of the program after Stanford keeping it for a decade, it finally feel, felt like things were switching and the Cal program was maybe overtaking Stanford. And not that that isn't the case or that it is the case just because this season is such as, such an anomaly, but it is just sad for the fans to see that i know a lot of people were upset especially with the way the game ended but i don't i don't think this game is really going to have any effect on how the next big game goes i think both teams probably just like this year have a about as close to a 50 50 shot as winning at winning next year's game as possible so i mean this probably was cal's biggest game of the year i mean they dropped to 0 and 3 because of it but at this point, this type of season, I mean, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much that could have that game either way. Yeah. So uh, now that we're talking a little bit more about the season in general, uh, we're halfway through. Uh, as bizarre as that sounds, after just three football games, we are halfway through. It is time for that um, ever so delightful midseason review. Shaylin. We've seen a couple games. It uh, maybe hasn't been ideal for a lot of Bears fans. Certainly hasn't been ideal for this team. You can tell talking. You can tell that talking to them. But what's your take on this uh, Bears program so far? Yeah. So just to give a bit of context, even with all the 
COVID stuff, all the players that have been held out for Cal on the offensive line and defensive line, especially due to contract contact tracing, Cal has obviously massively underperformed this season. They were projected to finish second in the Pac-12 North, and there's not a single win through three games. So that's not a good but there are some positives to take away, and I want to start with the offense because while the stats may not show it, I mean, if a random casual fan went on ESPN or Pac-12.com, they would see that Cal is about last in the entire conference in most offensive statistics. But the reason for that is pretty much all due to the UCLA game because, as a reminder, Cal had just 10 points in that game and only 176 total yards of offense, which is abysmal. But you have to remember they only got two two days to game plan for that game. In the two games since UCLA, Cal's averaged 415 yards per game. So to go from 176 to an average of 415, you kind of almost don't really, at least in my mind, with the two game two days to prepare, you kind of can't really give the UCLA game the same weight as you do to the other two games. So in my eyes, Cal's offense has absolutely improved from last season. I mean, with Bo Baldwin, Cal's offense rarely had explosive plays. We talked about the running game this week, the passing game against Oregon State. There was neither of those, really, during the Bo Baldwin era. I mean, during the end of the season, we saw a bit more of that. But when it mattered and when Cal was fighting for a Pac-12 championship appearance, that was nowhere to be found. But this team is finally showing glimpses of what we expected under Bill Musgrave. I don't think we'll see the full potential until next season, just due to the nature of this year. But one thing that's a good sign is I expect to have almost the same exact offense in terms of personnel again next season. I don't think there's anyone that's really draft-worthy at the end of the season. And just as a reminder, this season does not count against eligibility. So anyone who's playing this season can play next season. And I think the offense is going to be really experienced next season. And they're going to have a full year of actually being able to learn the scheme with regular preparation and regular game planning. And I think they'll just be a lot better. But just this season alone, even, the, the offense is much more fun to watch. I think we can both agree that Cal's offense was very dry last season. Like we said, there's way more explosive plays this year. And also, it's nice to see Musgrave's creative scheming. Um, using garbers on bootlegs and play actions was really refreshing to see, especially because he's shown his ability to throw on the run. Like I said earlier, he had two touchdowns against Stanford on almost identical plays where he faked a handoff and then he's rolling out to his right and hits a receiver on the run for a touchdown. So I would like to see a lot more of the, the, that type of creativity. And then also we saw Garbers' pitch to Dancy that was a, a first down before Dancy fumbled later in the play. But it's that type of creative stuff that's just so refreshing to see, and it keeps the defense on their toes. Yeah, the, the Bears' offense is actually um... – well, it exists now, which is more than you can say possibly in years past. Uh, they, they've been good. I think another point, you, you brought this up. Even if Cal maybe doesn't have as many returners next season, you've still seen a lot of secondary unit, like second string players being able to perform. I mean, the O-line was devastated, both um, I think by a positive COVID test and by injuries. You saw Cefalo out, Deltoso, Curran. I mean, those are really important players. They've still managed to step up. I mean, they haven't 
played against the greatest defenses, but th this team has shown its depth. And that depth is going to pay off next year when a lot of these guys graduate and become starters, if some of the starting guys now uh, depart. You've got a deep wide receiver core. Makai Polk is going to be around for a while. Even if maybe uh, someone leaves in the running back room, you've got plenty of other guys around. And th there have been a lot of great individual performances. I just mentioned Makai Polk. But he's improved drastically this season. We saw flashes of it towards the end of last year, but he is, I think beyond Kakoa Crawford, he's really emerged as a very solid secondary option, a huge downfield threat, and a guy who's reliable. Uh, he can catch touchdown passes. He, he can catch balls all over the field. He, he's been good deep, and that's something the Bears have sorely needed, and that's something they'll suddenly have uh, over the next couple of seasons. Damian Moore, we just spoke volumes of him. And he, he deserves it. He's been fantastic. Uh, I said I was just talking to Chase Garbers. He said a lot of teams are lucky to have, like they talked about, a dual threat, two-headed monster in the backfield. Cal really does have a three-headed monster. They have three very different backs who can hurt you in very different ways. I mean, Dancy's very shifty. Uh, Damian Morris emerges as a guy who, like you said, he finds the holes. He has great vision. And CBJ is just a very physical guy who will uh, stiff-arm you into the afterlife. Uh, that's great. I mean, all those things have emerged. That being said, this season does feel like kind of a wash. I mean, even with a short season, these guys are really ambitious. That's not there. The question I want to volley back to you is, let's say Cal wins out. Let's say Cal manages to win three games. I'm not saying that will happen or that's likely to happen because Oregon's very talented. We don't know who they'll face in that final week. But let's say they win out, somehow get a bowl game. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but get that seventh game and finish, say, four and three. Does that change how you view this season as maybe success or failure? Um, I think it would be seen as a lot more of a success. I mean, at the end of the day, your record is the main thing that matters, no matter what the season is. Uh, it's not like a professional league where you can end up with a bad, bad record and then all of a sudden you have the first or second pick in a draft. Like, it doesn't work like that in college. So your record really is what matters because Cal's recruiting class for the next couple of years is already set. So they know what they're getting. Um, so, I mean, your record absolutely does matter that that does change the perception of the season. But I think just as we're in the season right now, I think obviously the goal is still to win games, but I think there's a bit more of an emphasis on player development than just winning games right now. And like you said, a lot of the young players are stepping up. And what, one point I want to make is even with so many freshmen and inexperienced players on that line, the offense, Cal's offense has the third least penalties per game in the Pac-12, which is not something you would expect from so many fresh faces on the offensive line, especially. Like there's barely been any false starts, which is something you see a lot from from younger offensive linemen and just in general, the offense has been great, but there are, there are definitely some things they need to improve on. Uh, Cal's red zone offense has not been great. They're scoring on just 75% of red zone drives. And if you're talking about touchdowns, Cal only scores in 50% of their red zone appearances, which is the worst in the pack 12. I mean, you're talking about the last two games. If Cal can knock it into the end zone instead of, kicking a field goal or in a lot of cases getting a field goal blocked like you're you're much better off and especially with the special teams issues like I best like what I just said you need to score touchdowns and getting the offensive line out of quarantine and getting Christopher Brown Jr. fully healthy will absolutely help 
especially in like the physical goal line run game. It'll help score some more touchdowns, but the red zone offense has to be emphasized in practice regardless of what players are out. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, I will say it does feel like this team is just getting really close. Um, and we'll get to the Oregon game in a second. But you think about the Oregon State game, it, a game-ending interception to be sure, just 10 yards away from the goal line, that's heartbreaking. Then the next game you get into the end zone, the extra point is blocked. And it's like it's almost like baby steps, which, again, you don't want to see it. it I'm not going to call that successful because it's not 0-3 is not what anyone would term as successful. If you told us that before the season, that we'd be at this point with three losses, we would have said, no way is that successful. Yeah. It's not. This is a terrible start to the season. Uh, but there are certainly bright things to take away from it. I, I also do want to mention, you touched on this. This is a season unlike any other. Um, and this is a season, I think Cal, more than a lot of other programs in this conference, or a lot of other programs that have gotten to play games, because there have been plenty of teams that haven't, has been hurt by the COVID-19 restrictions. And again, it's not because they're bad. I mean, this is what is keeping a lot of these guys safe. But the 75-man cohorts have to hurt you on special teams to an extent, because a lot of special teamers are not first stringers. You're separating, I mean, your, your rookies and your younger guys from your older guys and you just don't get, get, get as much work and as much – you can't just watch these guys perform on special teams in practice because if you're with the second unit, you're practicing at a different time. You're not with the 75-man cores practicing at one point. Uh, you talked about how the quarantine protocols really hurt Cal against UCLA. I mean, we've talked about how that's hurt their offensive line. If you look at – like, I want to take this into the larger college football world for a second – you think about Clemson, if they don't make the college football playoff because they lose that game to Notre Dame um, without Trevor Lawrence, it there's going to be all sorts of asterisks, all sorts of questions. Could Notre Dame have done it if Trevor Lawrence was there? It's almost the same type of deal. And obviously, Cal isn't Clemson. We're not talking about a national championship here. But it is, if this is a straight-up season, if Cal doesn't have that positive test, if they're not confined by the cohort rule, which again is Berkeley specific, like that's not something any other Pac-12 team is facing, is this season different? And I think it is. And it makes it hard to just look players in the face and say you performed badly because we all know it's not just what it's it's not just about what's on the field. Yeah, and uh, just to touch on the other two units, I mean there there are some some things you can't really make excuses for, and for me you you have a good point about the cohort thing and the special teams units like a lot of them being kind of lower ranking players on the depth chart where they don't necessarily practice with the starters but I mean I'm a lot less level-headed than you in terms of special teams like I don't know what in the world is going on because they're literally horrible at everything it's not it's not one issue they need to fix or one simple mistake they're repeatedly making there's been I tweeted something like this, but they, there's been shanked punts. There's been blocked punts. There's been blocked field goals. There's been blocked extra points. There's been muffed punt returns. There's been multiple return touchdowns called back due to penalties. Like they're making every mistake in the book. I've never seen a special team season this bad on any football team I've ever watched in my lifetime. Because usually it's a pattern, right? You see in the NFL a lot a kicker who keeps missing crunch time field goals like that's a that's a single like isolated mistake that the kicker is not playing well but we have seen so many different players make these mistakes and it's such a wide range of issues 
they need to figure it out as soon as possible because it's already costed Cal two wins, like you said, and it's going to become more if they don't figure it out. Like, if if special teams can't play how special teams is supposed to play, Cal has no chance of beating Oregon, like whatsoever. And and we're about to get into that, but I mean, just it's it's inexcusable at this point, like how two games have been costed due to multiple special team errors in each game. And then just to touch on the defense a bit, I mean, you can't leave them out. I mean, Cal's a defensive team under Wilcox's identity. There's still issues, but they've been improving game by game, I think, this season. They played well in the both in both of the past two games, but like you said, they were put in some tough positions because of turnovers and special teams mistakes. So, yeah, the field position is a lot of the reason why Cal's giving up like more points than they normally do. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned we're going to get to the Oregon game. Here we are. Uh, Shaylin, at the beginning of the season, I think you said this was this was going to be the biggest game this season. This was the one you had circled on your calendar. Uh, talk about why and, and, and give us something. Does Cal have a chance here? You just, you just told the special teams need to be fixed. What would the Bears have to do to have a shot at beating a ranked Oregon team? Yeah, so the reason I said that was because I fully expected Cal at this, t- at this point to be week five. Cal should have been 4-0 and or 3-1 and in my book. <laughs> That's nowhere near the case, obviously, but uh, it is what it is. Oregon is favored by 10 right now, and um, during our preseason dash episodes, both of us were under the impression that because they lost one of the most like explosive NFL quarterbacks right now, Justin Herbert's killing it in the league, and their entire offensive line. Both of us thought that Oregon's offense would at least need some time to get up to speed, but they have not miss a, missed a step. They're first in the Pac-12, averaging almost 500 yards per game. They haven't played the toughest of defenses, but there's honestly not many good defenses in the Pac-12 this season at all. And they're just killing it all across the board. They're averaging 9.8 yards per, ta- per passing attempt, and Tyler Shuck leads the Pac-12 in passing touchdowns. They've got super fast and talented receivers. And then you have that dual-headed monster, C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye in the backfield, who, you know, Oregon's rushing game also averages over 200 yards per game. So that offense is potent, and it's going to be by far Cal's toughest test of the season. Absolutely. I mean, we said Cal's defense has actually performed well the last couple of games, but they've not been playing great teams. Um, Stanford and Oregon State are – I mean, they, they've shown flashes of ability, sure, but, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Oregon State's 2-2 two and two and Stanford's 1-2. and two. Uh, those, aren't, those aren't phenomenal offensive sides there, and the Ducks are phenomenal offensively. And they have – I mean, they're one of the top teams in the Pac-12 um, – uh, on that side of the ball. I think they may even lead the conference in rush yards. Tyler Shuck leads the conference in passing yards. The, the Ducks have a player in, in the top five in the Pac-12 in passing, rushing, and receiving yards. I mean, they they just have loads of talent up and down that roster. I think one thing, though, that maybe Cal fans can take a little heart, heart with, and our friend Josh Ewan will be the first one to tell you that the worst thing a Cal fan can have is hope. But the Ducks have been terrible defensively, and I don't think that's something anyone really anticipated. Um, they've lost, they've lost, granted, tons of players in the secondary, but Oregon's, at least under Cristobal, has been a team that's been able to really be tough and grind it out defensively, and that actually has not been this Ducks team. They're allowing more than 450 yards a game. They rank in the bottom third of the Pac-12 in both passing and rushing yards allowed. 
And there might be a little opportunity there for Cal to, to make something happen. Yeah, and they only have five sacks on the season. So if Cal can get their O-line starters back, which Coach Wilcox said that isn't out of the question yet, I, I still can't tell you how the Berkeley health officials are are managing this, whether it's 14 days or not. I know the CDC just made an announcement that they're actually reducing the contact tracing for someone who has come in contact with someone with COVID-19 from down to 10 days and even down to seven days if you test negatively during that period. So that's going to be huge if Berkeley implements that rule because that means contact tracing players will only miss one game instead of two. But you're right. With their defense being bad, I expect this to be somewhat of a shootout. I'm going... Still, though, I, I can't take Cal with all the special teams issues and the red zone offensive struggles. I'm going to say Oregon 31, Cal 27. But I would not rule out a Cal win if they can score touchdowns instead of field goals. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, we've talked about how high-powered this Oregon offense has been. Cal is going to be the best secondary they face this season. Uh, the Bears are number two in the conference in terms of pass yards allowed. This has always been a good secondary. It was under Gerald Alexander. And even after three games and three losses, Marcel Yates has shown that that identity has gone nowhere. He's still got the talent. Um, Hicks is settling into that role. Uh, Craig Woodson got a lot of reps. I think he may have even started against Stanford. Cal secondary is performing. They're, they're going to be able to step up to the plate and challenge the Ducks. However, I mean, you said Oregon's a great team. Uh, this, this doesn't feel like one that's super winnable for the Bears. I'm going to say 38-30, the Ducks win by at least a score. All right. Well, both of us have Cal dropping to 0-4 in a season that they were supposed to finish well. But we'll be back with you guys next week to break down whatever does happen in the Oregon game. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, you can read our columns on sportspack12.com or check, out, check us out at Dashboards TV on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today and we'll see you next week.